Hello, and welcome to Talk in the Microphone, where we go through Logan Whitehurst's entire solo discography. I am Connor Nyberg, and I'm an avid Logan Whitehurst fan. And my name is Owen Otto, and I was a friend of Logan's and played in a band with him and uh, played guitar in some of his songs. And today we're here to talk about the Junior Science Club's final release, Very Tiny Songs, an 81 Very Tiny Song collection released in late 2006. Um, so, Owen, we should probably talk about what led up, the events that led up to this album. So, was it 2004 or so that Logan started getting sick? Oh, geez. I'm pretty sure it was 2003, actually. Oh, dang. Um, yeah. So, right about the time that, uh, Goodbye My Poor Track was released, or sometime afterwards, or? I think it was a little bit after that. Gotcha. And the way I found out is, um, in 2001, I had moved to San Francisco, so we were already kind of like, we were still friends. We still talked like, you know, every month or two or so and yeah. and hung out, but um, less so than when we kind of like lived together or lived a few blocks apart. So I was just talking to him on the phone one day and uh, he was at his family's house in Los Banos, California. And he was um, basically telling me that he had to, he had to quit the Velveteen. Um, and it was because they were on tour and he just started randomly getting like waking up in the morning and being insanely nauseous like to the point where he pretty much couldn't uh couldn't function yeah and they had like no they had no idea what it was i mean he went to the doctor and it basically when he had to quit the band it was at the point where he just had to go back and live with his family while they tried to kind of like figure out what was going on okay and then uh basically I forget this why, but one day the doctor was like, oh, maybe we should see if this is some kind of, maybe we should do like a scan of the brain, which seemed bizarre. It seemed like it would have nothing to do with this nauseousness, but they tried everything else they could think of. Yeah. And yeah, and then they found that he had a uh, brain tumor. And what I heard is the type of brain tumor that was like, he may have had it since he was a kid. Yeah. Um, and it just was growing to the point where it was kind of like pushing on his brain and causing the nervous system to do strange things. Yeah, that's right. I heard something about that. The, the certain kind of tumor he had was more prevalent in um, pre-teens than it was more like, I guess, later adults than anything. So that was a very odd tumor for someone of his age to get. Yeah, and, and at first, I mean, they definitely... Um, it wasn't long after they realized what it was that he had surgery. Yeah. I don't know exactly how long, but I, I would say like a matter of uh, weeks or months. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially when you're in your 20s and somebody gets sick, like you have no idea how to deal with this or kind of how to act. Like, is it good to ask questions about it? Should you just try to like make your friend feel as good as possible? Yeah. So like I never, I didn't, you know, I just, it was like a very confusing situation and, um, you know, just, you know like the worst news possible um i don't know if like the information i was getting was like delusionally optimistic but people were kind of saying that he had a he had a pretty good chance they were they people were pretty optimistic i think it was may of 2004 that he had the surgery and it was about this time that he announced on the internet that he had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and he was going in for surgery and it was also that this time that he left of the Velveteen and the reason he gave for that wasn't the um the nausea that he had on tour 
um, it seemed more that the way the way he worded it, it seemed more that he was he wanted to focus more on the junior science club anyway. It's that he he did the Velvet Teen and that was his excursion in the serious music, but now he wanted to focus more on the kind of music he was doing with as the junior science club. Yeah, I'm not pretty sure I don't believe that, okay. but maybe maybe he was just trying to make it sound better. I don't know. Yeah. So um, how um, how was Logan through all this? Uh, well, I mean, before the surgery, he was, you know, obviously really depressed about it, yeah. but, um, uh, still basically he seemed like himself to me, you know, like when we talk on the phone and stuff, he would still be kind of joking around and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I went to the hospital, like, you know, after, like the day after the surgery or something of this sort. And then obviously he's in like a, you know, terrible state. And, you know, these... But anyway, not to go into extreme detail, but th then basically uh, over the next few years, um, basically he was in... He was, you know, like living with his family. And yeah. so it was kind of like a, you know, it was like a two-hour drive for me. But I would go and... Um, I would go and see him um, a few times a year, and um, it was kind of up and down depending on how the, uh, you know, like it kind of went in waves. Like it seemed like he was getting better. Yeah. Like people would think that maybe he was. There was I don't know remember the exact amount of times, but there was a few times where they thought he was in the clear. Yeah. And um, actually. One of the, maybe, I'm just going to guess, you know, you'd have to fact check this, but I'm going to guess like the third time that he thought he was in the clear, it was like, okay, no, really, you're good now. You know, he had all these, uh, you know, chemotherapy and, you know, all this stuff, and they thought they had gotten rid of it. And by the way, he described the stuff to me, and, you know, as you probably heard from family members having this, it's just like a terrible, terrible experience. Yeah. You get really, really sick, and uh, it's just, you know, yeah, I uh, you don't expect that. to have to go through that when you're, you know, like yeah. Yeah, 27 or something of this sort. Anyway, he, they thought he was really, really cancer free and was going to be fine now. And that's basically when he made very tiny songs. So it was kind of like he was trying to get back into making music. He had been, you know, too sick to really do much um, for a few years, which is crazy for a guy who was like making a song a day or whatever. You know? Yeah, I, I uh, that was a very hard on him especially with the cancer and all it just it seems like that that in of itself was hard on him not being able to do that kind of thing as often as he used to yeah yeah exactly yeah um so you know he was at home and his family was taking really good care of him but i think it's just kind of like you have no energy to do anything but you know i'd go visit him and we'd still like talk about the same kind of stuff joke about the same kind of stuff yeah but uh uh, one of the later times I went to visit him was when he seemed to be uh, getting significantly better. And he showed me, it was before Very Tiny Songs came out, but it was done. Yeah. And I think he gave me a copy and he was like showing me the artwork. And he was just super proud. Yeah. And it's just like such a um, triumph. Uh, you know, for a human who's been through all that to kind of like be able to get it together enough to make something like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean that, that's just incredible because he, 
from what I gathered, he basically had to kind of relearn, basically regather his motor skills after all the chemo and all the stuff he had gone through. Like, just, like, get it all back. And then to record, like, 81 songs, even very tiny songs, put it all together, compile the album, make the artwork, and that kind of thing. That's just, that's amazing. Yeah, he was definitely affected in... Like, I remember when some of the times I'd go see him, he'd walk with a cane. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't walk too far, and it definitely affected him uh, physically, as you say. And even, I think it's just, like, really hard on the mind. Yeah. From what I gather, um, Logan announced the Very Tiny Songs project in May of 2006, and he took up recommendations all the way up to June. And little by little, he started, he kept recording the songs and he put them out for free on his website. And then I believe it was in August of that year that he took them all down and he compiled them all together. And um, they got released in December of that year by Pandaside Records. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think what he said either on his website or told me is he was kind of thinking of this as a way to get back into music and not take it too seriously. Yeah. And I think also, honestly, like, like it was really lonely. I mean, he had his family around, but he's kind of like away from all his friends. Yeah. And so I, th- I think this was like a, I think he got really, like the being connected to people online was really important. Yeah. And I think that so definitely to, helped him with bringing back the energy of making new songs. So this was, it's interesting that this album Whereas Goodbye My 4-track was completely a, just a lot of collaborations. This is this is just him at his computer, probably with a program like GarageBand or something, and he's churning out these songs with ideas that people gave him over the internet. So it's kind of, it's kind of like an anti-Goodbye My 4-track in a way. Oh, yeah, yeah. The super solo at home. Yeah. Kind of like going back to doing it really quickly. Exactly, yeah. it's it, This is like, it's, it's he's going back to, to his roots, per se, just to get the um, energy to keep writing songs and and get back into the habit, I guess, the routine. So it's interesting to view this album in that light. Um, I mean, there are a lot of really good songs on this album, and there are just a lot of songs on this album, period. So um, do you want to talk about how we'll approach this album? Because there's a lot of songs, 81 tracks. Yes. And they're all like a minute or less long. So (laughs) side side note. The, I was thinking about this. I think the reason why he made 81 songs is that he could do the cover idea where it's like a grid <laughs> yeah, of the 9 by 9. 9. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's basically like a little drawing for each one. I could just totally see him thinking this through. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I got 60. So, oh, wait, I need to get to 81. So it'll be like, <laughs> you know, even. <laughs> um, all right, so here's what we decided to do. I, who knows if this is gonna work? Um, yeah. But it's like we can't we can't do 81 songs the same way we've been doing the other albums because like it would be a like a five hour podcast at least, <laughs> and uh, we'd basically we'd be starving and, yes. and it would be. Uh, uh, so what we <laughs> what we decided to do is we each picked like I don't remember how many songs like between we each picked like five or seven or ten. Yeah. And then we kind of put some of us like we. We picked some of the same songs, but we're going to basically do those in depth and we're going to go through the album in order and the other songs, we might even just do nothing more than say the title, or we might just say kind of like a few words about it if anything pops in our mind. Yeah, exactly. But I think like we kind of realized that with 81 songs, like there's songs that even though we've listened to it, like we don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. 
it's insane how that <laughs> happens. And and it's a very hard album to listen to like one way through. Even though I think how, how long is the Tool album? The Tool album's an hour and 16 minutes. So it's about the, it's it's length of a CD, but it's it's just very hard to listen to in a single listen just because there are so many tiny songs that it's insane. So yeah, we're going to try that. We're going to try putting emphasis on certain tracks and with others we yeah, exactly. We might just do nothing but say the name of them. So um we should also mention that later on in this episode we'll be doing a um a top 10 lists. Uh Owen and I have written top 10 lists of our favorite Logan songs and at the end of this we'll be saying what we think are the best Logan songs ever. So get ready to be amazed by our authoritative and uh, very tasteful taste. Yes, our definitive taste. If you don't agree <laughs> with us, then. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be interesting to see what you got, Owen. Oh, yeah, likewise. Let's start with track one, Very Tiny Songs. A very tiny song. The very tiny songs are musically small. The very tiny songs, I've come to love them all. The pangolins and ants, the unicorns and trees, infinity toothpaste. Little dogs and Mr. T Welcome to the very Welcome to the very tiny songs So I, I guess I just love this one because it's so much better, like the album is so much better than if it didn't have this kind of setting up what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. And um, I don't know, just to, it's kind of reiterating what I said before, but it just is amazing to me to make, like you've been sick for so long and it's kind of hard for you to do this at all. Yeah. And you like go, oh, and I'm going to make a concept album. <laughs> and that's, that is like fingertips gone insane. Yes. Uh, you know. Exactly. Um, and then I also love how it kind of, the this is something we talked about in the last episode, how it kind of like name checks all the songs that are coming and stuff. Yeah. So it just makes you feel like you're inside this little world. Yeah, it's, it's a nice introduction, a little entryway into what you're about to listen to. Um, yeah. I think it's probably one of the longest tracks on this album. It's, it's almost at two minutes. Oh my God, <laughs> that's so long. It's great. <laughs> It's it's pretty catchy though too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's actually got like a nice um like instrumentation going on. Um, he's taking advantage of these um software plugins and whatnot. Um, it should be noted that I mean over the course of this album, you can tell his voice is much frailer than it was before. But I mean, I'm assuming that's due to just getting back into the groove. I mean, it really. And then there's some tracks where it's stronger than others, and others like this one where it seems more frail. But uh. I mean, it's it's awesome just to have this album. It really is. Yeah, it's sort of like the frailty in the voice. Even just now, as we were listening to it for a little bit of a second, it's weird. Like I almost got a tear in my eye just like listening to it. It's just so sad at yeah. some level. But then I also have like a little bit of the opposite reaction of just like 
That's so cool that he's going for it. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's going, going all the way. I love it. I love it. Welcome to the very, welcome to the very tiny songs. All right. So going with what we have here, we're, we're skipping to track six. We got Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who are two characters from Hamlet. That's your fun fact. Peace Sprout and Little Baby Chick. The Salad Days of the Vegetables, Bone Beard, the Dinosaur, Pirate from Space, and then track six is Kick It Into High Gear. Kick it! Kick it! So, uh, <laughs> Owen, you picked this song. Uh, do, do you care to explain <laughs> why, why in particular this one? <laughs> I I really like this one. The main reason is the way it has this spot where it pauses. It goes tss, 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 like the hi-hats going. Yeah, and it's exactly. not saying anything. And it just <laughs> makes me laugh when it pauses and doesn't say anything. Because it's like building up this anticipation for him to say, kick it. <laughs> and you got the kids and cheering, yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I also like it that somebody submitted the title to him, kick it into high gear. But he only just says, kick it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it also kind of reminds me of uh, this band called Go Team. Go Team. You know them? They they sound familiar. Yeah. So kick it into high gear. That's I I, I like that one. That's funny. Um, it's awesome. It seems like it should be used in a commercial for something. It does. It, it, it it's like it's you can hear the. It's almost like you can see the commercial, but you're not sure what it is. What what's being kicked in the high gear? What's what's happening? Why are there kids screaming yay? I don't I don't know. It's a mystery. I don't know. It's probably like a commercial for deodorant or something. <laughs> there we go. Kicking the high gear. That's the uh, new deodorant anthem. All right. Uh, track seven, Infinite Tube of Toothpaste. And track eight is Damn the Cancer. Thought I had it figured out. Thought I knew the answer Well, I guess I was wrong Damn! Damn the cancer So if I recall correctly, this song was actually a suggestion by a friend of somebody who wrote a comic strip called Damn the Cancer and uh, that person was actually had cancer himself and so he made a comic strip called Damn the Cancer and so he sent in, um, his friend sent in the suggestion to Logan to make a theme song for the comic strip. And this is theme song. And it's, it's awesome to hear uh, Logan saying such vulgarities as damn. <laughs> yeah, like, he's oh really pushing God. the limit. <laughs> <laughs> he's going yeah. all out on this album. Very tiny songs. Logan will never be the same. <laughs> I like how, it's, how he's can still be kind of playful around something that's kind of utterly destroying his life. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's awesome to hear hear him. This is like his theme song here. Damn the cancer. I love it. Yeah. All right. And then tr- we're skipping to track 10 here, which is... I'll say one thing about global warming is a lie. Okay. Which I don't, I don't particularly like. But you can imagine someone submitting that song to you as kind of a taunt or something. <laughs> and, and he just makes a complete mockery of it. Like it's just like the goofiest... Like the goofiest thing possible. Yeah, that is. It is. That's an awesome one. That's yeah. track nine. Global warming is a lie. And then track ten. If I were a pangolin. 
this one because I, I just like the, the tune yeah and I like that like rapper backup vocal in the, <laughs> in the part um, uh, but I also like it because as a like science song I have never heard of a pangolin outside of this song I don't yeah. like everything I know about a, everything I know about a pangolin is from this song yeah like it's completely possible that it doesn't even really exist I've never looked it up it actually I assume does they do a exist. pangolin does exist and he is right it looks just like a pine cone it's so weird it's like a walking blue pine cone. It looks like a mixture between like an anteater and a, and a pine cone. I don't know. It's it's a weird. I can't look away from it right now. It's on my screen. <laughs> I can't look away. <laughs> so I like this one because it was genuinely educational for me. Yeah, exactly. You learn a lot about a pangolin. They look like pine cones. They eat ants and termites. One thing I noticed when I was um, trying to pick my the songs that I want to pick for this. They're, they're, they tend to be the ones near the beginning of the album because like by the end of the album I am just like exhausted <laughs> I, I honestly I really don't blame you I mean again 81 songs that's so much but there's a lot of I, I, I there, there are a couple of really good ones that are scattered I think I have a few that are closer to the end um, yeah actually I have like three in a row from the 70s listings yeah i was i was uh i was envious of your uh ability to pay attention yeah i'm i'm envious of it too I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so here we go we're skipping the track 17 here so track 12 is susan track 13 is ambassador robert robert w fitz which i actually kind of like for some reason track 14 Who's is that? under uh that's the one where it's like a guy doing a beat poetry thing and he's like i am ambassador robert w fitz and i mean it and it's like a wheel. No, I mean, wait, what? I mean, who is actually I don't know. Robert that's W. Not Fitz? A, that's not a person. I looked up Ambassador Robert W. Fitz. That's not a person. Ah, okay. I don't know who Robert W. Fitz is. It's a mystery. Huh. But um. By the way, I I notice a predominance in this album, even with probably the song Susan that was just the one before, of um, just it's like. If you tell people, hey, submit a uh, like submit a title and I'll write a song about it, like a surprisingly large number submit their own name. <laughs> Being like, yeah, write a song about me. <laughs> oh man. But I mean actually Susan that was the one where it was about the woman who was in love with Santa Claus, right? I don't remember it. I think I I don't remember how I remember <laughs> that, but that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, actually, you know, there are a couple like that. So um, track 14 is Underwater Basket Weaving. Track 15 is Michael is the President of the English Club. Track 16 is Trapped in the Stomach of a Giant. And track 17, What Will Laura Be When She Grows Up? <laughs> Doctor, a lawyer, a veterinarian, a teacher, preacher, auto mechanic, accountant, prison attendant, or drive a taxi, be an author or a movie director, be an assistant to the president or clothing inspector. What will Laura be when she grows up? Or what will Laura be when she grows up? 
She could be a surgeon or a waiter, elevator operator. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you pick this song, Owen? Um, one, I just like it musically. Like it kind of sounds like a um, 70s TV show theme. <laughs> and then I like how he's doing this kind of rap voice. Yeah. But it actually kind of sounds, it sounds different and really, actually really cool with his kind of like, uh, you know, from being sick, his voice is really damaged or something, but it's, and it gives it like a new sound that's actually kind of cool on this one. Yeah, yeah, it works with this one, uh, it definitely does. I don't know, I just like the idea of somebody probably named Laura submitting a thing of like, what do you think I could be when I grow up? <laughs> and him like making this crazy song about it. Here you go, Laura. Actually, it's funny. I could like I could see this being like a schoolhouse rock kind of song, talking about all the different career paths you could choose. Yeah. yeah what yeah. will Laura be when she grows up? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, track 18 is Invisible Shadows. I like the artwork for that one. It's just a black square. Um, track 19 is Jen and her dog Elvis. <laughs> Who's that girl walking down the street with brand new sneakers on her feet? That's Jen, 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 and her dog Elvis. Now, Owen, am I correct in saying that you have another technical rhythm explanation for the people at home? <laughs> so, I like this song for a bunch of reasons, but one of them is because the it has this insane rhythm like where the basically the verse i think is in kind of a, a swing time yeah you know which means like it's going like instead of the eighth notes kind of coming like evenly like one and two and three and it's going like one and two and three and four and and usually when music is in is kind of swinging like that. It just swings the whole song. Yeah. Like it's basically wrong. It's basically like technically wrong to kind of change to be in straight eighth notes. Yeah. And basically this one, it's it it's kind of like in half time, swing time during the verse. And then it all of a sudden like goes twice as fast and in straight time in the chorus. <laughs> and so it just sounds bonkers. <laughs> it does. It gives it a really interesting feel. Um, yeah. yeah, this is this is interesting. So, um, looking at uh, the Junior Science Club Live Journal, um, there is a message posted on it um, from the person that recommended this song. No uh, surprise, her name is Jen, and um, she messaged Logan, and Logan sent her quite a lengthy backstory into this song. I'm not sure how serious to take it. I'm gonna I'm just gonna read it here. The song is from the point of view of Ned, who hasn't met Jen and Elvis before. He presumably is impressed by, or maybe even enamored of Jen, or Elvis, and calls upon his Muppety hillbilly friends to illuminate him as to her name while he watches from afar, perhaps from the baracking chair wooden front walk of a general store. Jen is fairly safe outside this circle of local types and probably has big city existence in her future. Elvis is thankful for his drugstore drug, <laughs> drug dog treat, but he enjoys the walk there much more than he does the experience of being manhandled by the proprietor's gangly adolescent son, who isn't in school today for one reason <laughs> or another. Does he even go to school? We don't know. Mr. Trumbull, the local truant officer, is actually singing bass in Ned's informative chorus across the street. Oh, that's a lot of... 
That's a lot of backstory a... that I I didn't get from that song, and it's really interesting to to hear and say that. I don't I don't like I never would have thought of any of that. But what I did think I, the one of the reasons this song stands out to me is um, like first off that it's just a really like fun little you know tightly constructed song. Yeah. But also it feels like it's like the best of flash fiction or something. Like you feel like you really did go completely into this little miniature world in, <laughs> I don't know, 50 seconds or something. Yeah, the, the little hillbilly world of um, Jen and her dog, Elvis. Mm. I, like, I like how he says that his Muppety hillbilly friends to illuminate him. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that is, I'm like, oh, wait, I can see, the, I can see Muppets, some hillbilly Muppets singing this. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> so it's interesting how this, this little song, there's so much behind it that I didn't even realize. I, I, I kind of <laughs> like that. That's really awesome. Hey, by the way, I just want to comment that we are almost 25% done with the album. No way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. So track 20 is Snake Babies. Um, the fun fact I'll give for that is that the theme to that song is used in Replica, which was a short that Logan scored in 06. It's the same theme. Track 21 is Dr. Jekyll's Toothbrush. You know that feeling you get when you go to bed without brushing your teeth? That feeling like some evil toothbrush is creeping up on you and you really should have brushed your teeth before you got into bed? Yeah, well, that's because back in the late 1800s, Dr. Jekyll, the famous fictional behaviorist, developed a device so terrifying and efficient some even believe it is alive, driven by a singular purpose. To brush your dirty teeth clean, whether you like it or not. You can't hide from Dr. Jekyll's toothbrush. Brush a brush and you're brushing your teeth. You can't hide from Dr. Jekyll's toothbrush. Brush a brush and you're brushing your this fits in so like well with everything Logan's done up to this point that it's just funny. It really is. <laughs> I think what I like about this one is that it um, it doesn't have any. It doesn't have like a song structure, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Yeah. It kind of like the actual kind of song part of it doesn't even start until halfway through. <laughs> exactly. It it just reminds me of this. It just has this like really bizarre. Form or something. It's almost like uh, uh, I don't know. Like it has something like opera, but the but also the opposite of opera, like the most like lo-fi, trashy. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. That is. I, I I just love the whole backstory. I think that's amazing. Someone sent him Doctor Jekyll's toothbrush, and, and he came up with that. And it's weird. Sometimes, like if I go to bed without forget with forgetting to brush my teeth, I'll think of this song, and I'll be like, I better brush my teeth. I better do that. Uh, that's exact. That is what you want to do as a songwriter. This is what I was trying to say the other day about how I love the ocean is for me. Oh, yeah. Like now Logan has claimed the ocean. Yes, he has. And he has declared it Logan Ocean. You know what's ripe for this? I feel like there are some holidays that don't have songs that have kind of like really stuck out. Like what? Like, can you name a Memorial Day song? The national anthem? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, no, there are no Memorial Day songs. Or, um, yeah, there's, there are quite a few like minute holidays that don't have songs. Like Flag Day. Flag Day needs a song. 
Flag Day, yeah. Flag this day. could be. I, I don't even know what Flag Day is. I just know it exists, and so it needs a song. <laughs> Someone out there, please make a Flag Day song. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. We want to get. We got to get to this first, Connor. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So track twenty-two is Riley Raccoon, Defender of Critter Village, and track twenty-three is Unicorns. That's the best mood change in any song I've ever heard. No, I mean he's the whole beginning part is basically just there <laughs> to kind of like lull you into thinking that this is just gonna be a pretty song. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he brings out the disco ball and it's all party from there. Hey, uh, side tangent I was wondering about because I know that dude Jason Steele is a, a Logan fan. He made yeah. the unicorn video, right? He did. He made um, a Charlie the Unicorn. So Jason Steele, for those of you who don't know, did Film Cow. He's done actually a couple of viral videos. Um, Charlie the Unicorn, Llamas with Hats, Marshmallow People. He's done actually quite a bit. He was a very big Logan fan, and he actually got me into Logan. Um, I know he recommended a song for this album. I don't know if it was this song in particular. Um, I want to say it was Internal Banana Farm. That's that's my guess. Uh, I, I think that was the song that he recommended, though I might be completely wrong. So did Charlie the Unicorn come out after this, or is it? Oh uh, no, it the came out time? before. It came out about oh five ish or so. But um, oh, okay. yeah, Jason discovered Logan in '99, I believe. So he was around listening to Electrostatic Motor. Yeah, I was uh, when you. I think he. Oh no, I did know that they were connected because um, once because that uh, Jason Steele actually made like a Littleton Frog web page or something or. Or maybe he bought the URL and oh, had he a did? or something. He bought the URL. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I was like, wow. This. And then it was amazing to me because I was actually a huge fan of that video. Yeah. And, you know, watched it with a lot of friends. And, and of course, like everybody, like I thought that the that I knew, I was like, oh, I know somebody just like that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the two female characters in it. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, okay, keeping with a side tangent, he did make the um, Logan Whitehurst music archive. He's the one responsible behind that. So if anybody looks up Logan Whitehurst, you'll find the, his first four albums are free for download as well as a bunch of miscellaneous tracks. That was also Jason Seal. He set that up shortly after Logan died in late 06. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Um, all right, so track 24 is Noel Loves Shakespeare. Track 25 is Glass Pop Bottles, and track 26 is The Periodic Table of the Elements. Late last night I had a terrible dream I made a horrible mistake, or so it would seem I guess I must have spent a little too much time in my chemistry class Cause the periodic table 
was twice the size of an elephant It was a matter of time before I met my fate And I was murdered by the table of atomic waste I honestly, um, I kind of love how this album with everything Logan went through and, and making these songs, it still it sounds just like him. Like I could hear I could hear this song on like Earth is Bigger by my four track, this periodic table song. It's so funny. Yeah, this one's a really good one. Yeah. Some good rhymes in there. What what made you pick this one in particular? Um, I don't know. I guess maybe that was it. Maybe because it reminded me of something that would have been on one of his last two albums or so. Actually, it's interesting listening to it this time around. It kind of reminds me of um, I Am So Important from Electrostatic Motor. I'm not sure exactly why, but it just it reminds me of that song a little bit. Um, I especially love the ending lyric, You'll Never Get Me, Copper. You'll Never Get Me, Copper. Classic. <laughs> so is that that's referencing the first album? Yeah, and, and Copper the Element. I'm like, oh, I get it. Ah. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even get that. Ah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but yeah, and at the same time, it is kind of like, it's like you can you think outsmarting the popos. That's your first thing when he, th- when he talks about cops. Yeah. <laughs> you immediately think outsmarting the popos. All right. Um, track 27 is We Are Fire Ants. Track 28. So, but, oh. On the Fire Ants, I just want to mention, there's a surprisingly large number of ant songs. Like, I've heard ants mentioned at least three times yeah, already. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, we mentioned um, um, the ant and the block of cheese. Um, and there were ants in Pangolin. That's right, yeah, there were ants in Pangolin. There's a lot of ants. So either but I think in, in general, if you had to, like, if you ask Logan fans to submit song titles, like, some large percentage of them will be their name. Yeah. And then a bit another big percentage will be animals or type of thing <laughs> interesting yeah I, I didn't notice that at all that's really interesting huh but um yeah so track 28 is the mischievous elves of iceland and track 29 is what it's like in japan you can make huge coins materialize shoot fireballs out of your hand you can grow ten times your normal size That's what it's like in Japan There are big green pipes sticking out of the ground Bricks floating in the air There are mean little turtles walking all around That's what it's like when you're there When you get to Japan you must try to find and save the princess fair. But when you get past the big green lizard, she's hardly ever there. You I, I, I find it really funny that at this point, Logan has been to Japan a couple of times. And here he is singing about Japan as if he's never been there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one's really creative. Yeah. I like By the way, it. It, it was just kind of occurring to me. I think we talked about our boys back about how he somehow had this list of titles and he kept writing songs off of it. Do you remember that? I think so. Yeah. That, that yeah. Like really I remember in a lot of his early songs, he had like a list. I think it was a list of band name ideas that he came up with and he just, he was like, oh, I'm going to write a song. For yeah. Each one that's of right. These. Yeah. The Mrs. Fenway thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is like, that's kind of a trend in his creativity. It's sort of like. It's like if you could just start from nothing, it's kind of hard to go anywhere. But if somebody is sort of like, oh, hey, here's the, like, just go off this list and make 
make song for each one. Yeah. That's almost what he's doing here. Yeah, and you're right. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool because it makes it frees you up to. Um, you're like, all right, well, I got to do something with what's it like in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and it came up with Super Mario Brothers. That's, that's classic. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the, and the sound effects and everything. I love it. It's <laughs> it's so good. It is. Uh, actually, I think this was the. This might have been the very first Logan song I heard. So maybe that's that's another reason why I picked it. I think this was the very first, at least very tiny song I heard, if not the very first Logan song I heard. Oh, did it um, kind of, uh, was it popular on some forums or something? Uh, no, it was on, um, actually, Jason Steele had a podcast for a while back in 2006, and I was listening to that, and he um, was talking about Logan, and he played this song on the show, and that's how I, I listened to it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should check out more of this guy's stuff. Ah, okay, cool. Track 30 is the Nature Kitty Nature Show theme. Track 31 is Spherical Dice. Track 32, Contents Unknown. Track 33, I'm going to briefly mention this one, Lamentation on a Theme of Bubba's Secret. Listening to this one again, this sounds like something, this sounds like Vibrating Leprechaun again. It's like, it's basically like, it's there's an instrumentation thing going and it's a bunch of sound effects that I think Logan's had for a while. I, reckon, I recognize a couple of them. And he's, it's just kind of like a montage of these sound effects. And it's it's like Bubba's throat to Electric Boogaloo kind of thing. <laughs> um, track 34, I Have an Extra Head. Track 35, Osmosis. Track 36, Gen 2 Penguins. And ja- track 37, <gasps> Sweepies. Okay, so this one time I asked a bunch of people to give me ideas for a bunch of little songs. And I said I'd write them all and put them on my website. Um, and some people were like, write a song about a pangolin or write a song about gum. And I was like, all right. But then there was this one person who was like, you should write a song about this guy who's always stealing people's Schweppes ginger ale. Only he doesn't pronounce it Schweppes. He pronounces it Schweepies. And he finds out that everybody hates him for it. So he decides that the only thing he can do to redeem himself over the rest of his life is to devote himself to eating glue and work post-it notes in somehow. And I was like, uh, okay. I don't know how I'm supposed to get all that across in a short song, but I guess I have to. So here's what I came up with. I was really surprised that we both picked this. Yeah, this has got to be <laughs> probably the best. Personally, I think it's like the best one on this whole album. This is, it's like, it, 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 tells, you, it tells you exactly what the project is. And I love how he wrote this song, and he's like, "I don't know if people are gonna get this. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know." So we had to record like a minute-long introduction, saying, "Okay, there was this one guy, right?" And he was all like, "We should do a song about sweepies." So what's really funny about what you just said there is there's some things that you thought about the song that I thought too that I thought nobody else would think. Like that it basically. You, when you listen to it, it forces you to think about him going through the process of deciding to explain <laughs> it at the beginning. <laughs> like you, you know, you know that he made the second part, and he was like, 
Oh my God, what do I got to do here? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny because in all honesty, if he didn't have the introduction, I wouldn't have known what the heck the song was about. I would have just ignored it. But without the introduction, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much either because when you know like exactly what he had to fit into this short, less than one minute song, you were like, oh my God, he, he did it. He fit it all in. It just doesn't make any damn sense, but he fit it all in. Yeah, I think the other thing I like about this one is the way he's talking at the beginning is just kind of seems like a way he might talk if you were hanging out with him, he was joking around. So it's like being with the guy. (laughs) And he's just funny, like in little ways, like when he says, well, I guess I have to. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I have to write the song. I just love that. Um, He he breaks the third wall completely on this one. Or fourth wall. Guys, the third wall. Fourth wall. And then... um, then the other thing I like about it is just that the actual song is like changes all. It reminds me of like that the genre of like Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, like the Paul McCartney song. Yeah, you know that one. Yeah, the... yeah. It's just like changes all the time into like a completely different thing. Yeah, yeah that is the song. That's right. It, it changes a lot. It's yeah. It's an oddity. It really is. But I mean, Logan really did well with it. I especially love at the end. Post notes is a registered trademark of the 3M Corporation. <laughs> Yeah, and all of that is in a minute and 57. Yes, and most of that is him talking, too, so that's even more impressive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, all right, so we're skipping a lot here. So what do we got? Uh, track 38 is Ultimate Frisbee. Track 39 is Gelatin. Track 40, Cecil the Cantankerous Turtle. Track 41, Demonic Lizards. Track 42, My Name is Matlock, named after Matlock Zumsteg, I believe. Track that 40. one's pretty good, actually. That one is, yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Matlock, but it's not named after the show. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's just funny that you know Matlock tried to be one of these other people who's like, oh, write a song about me. Write a song called <laughs> My <laughs> Name Is Matlock. <laughs> yeah. And then he made it reference the TV show. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Um, track forty-three. He didn't like Caddyshack. Track forty-four. Pink lemons. And track forty-five. Mr. T. This is a song about Mr. T. Say, everybody clap your hands. Right on, brother. This is a song about Mr. T. Say, everybody clap your hands. This is a song about Mr. T. Gotta shake that tambourine. This is a song about Mr. T. Gotta shake that tambourine. Yeah. Who's gonna rock us? B.A. Baracus. Who's gonna rock us? B.A. Baracus. Yeah, so I love this song for two reasons one is just the song itself and the second one is kind of a story that happened around it that i'll, I'll tell you but first it's just like so damn catchy i think this is the most i think this is the most tightly constructed song ever written ever written <laughs> it's like 44 seconds or something it's yeah. insane <laughs> and it's so damn catchy and has so many things in it yeah it does yeah <laughs> i love i love the recordings of mr t that adds so much yeah yeah the samples are really well placed and it's just kind of a I don't know. I would never think of that song if you gave me that title. It's really cool. Um, but the the other thing, and this is more of a, a kind of insane story to me. But um, so I really this is like as I mentioned before when I went to visit Logan, I think he gave me this album, and so I was listening to it, and this was my the song that stood out to me. Yeah. And um, um, a little bit later, I think it was his birthday was coming up. And it was pretty much clear that he was not cancer, that the cancer had come back. Yeah. And um, 
but uh, and he was feeling really isolated away there and uh, a lot of us like couldn't go to his house uh, for his birthday and um, so I had this idea of getting a bunch of friends to all send videos um, like messages to him and I put them together into one into one thing yeah and uh, and then play it for him and um, so a bunch of people did and um, and then the video I made um, I used this song Mr. T as the soundtrack and at the time at the time I was like with me and my wife and some friends we would always, we were really joking around about this um, like rock and roll move that rock singers would do on stage that we called the gravity pull <laughs> you could see like Freddie Mercury do it or something where you like raise your fist up in the air and look at it and like pull it down and, and you know make a rock like a like a total rock pose. So I made my video be like me teaching Logan how to do the gravity pull so that he could be a better rock star on stage. And then so it started with me explaining how to do the gravity pull and like demoing it and then it went through like a series of uh, pictures while Mr. T was playing of people doing the gravity pull. And then at the end, I had this picture of Mr. T seemingly doing the gravity pull. He's probably just flex he was probably just flexing his muscles or something. <laughs> but anyway, I put this whole video together and then I was actually going to visit him, but it was a little bit before his birthday. And I went there and he was he was really sick. I mean he was at the point where he pretty much couldn't really he was in bed. He pretty much couldn't talk. Yeah. But he could he could hear you and like sometimes you'd interact with him a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, just with hanging out with him and his uh, stepbrother and I think his sister, um, it just didn't feel appropriate to play the video. Yeah. So it just felt wrong, and so I just left like this DVD there and uh, went home, and I was kind of bummed about it. But um, later, I heard that they decided to play it for him. Um, when I when I you know wasn't there obviously, and they told me that he watched it and they couldn't tell if he was like paying attention if he was like, getting it or not. It was like because he didn't really talk, so it was yeah. hard to tell. But when that video ended, he like reached up in bed and did the gravity pull, <laughs> which just like blows my mind that is because it's awesome. like it's just amazing because like even when he's you know in this terrible state, yeah. he still had a sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> he's it still a rock star. Mind. He really is. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome. That really is. Yeah. Um. All right. Track forty-six, "The Girl Who Liked Baseball," and track forty-seven, "Brian Fernando Is Awesome." <laughs> Brian Fernando. I have no idea. <laughs> I just love the idea that some dude, like, not only did he submit his name, he was like, "That's not, that's not going far enough." I have to submit. Owen Otto is awesome. You know, like, <laughs> is the and then Logan's like, "Sure, I'll roll with that." And makes like the corniest, like, '80s sounding, like, cheesy synth song that is actually super catchy. Yeah, it is. 
It's funny. Yeah, I, this one <laughs> really sticks in my head. I can I can kind of see Brian Fernando in bed. Like he has his alarm set for like 6 a.m. every morning, and every morning his alarm song <laughs> is this song. So he gets up and he does his morning routine, and all he hears is Brian Fernando is awesome, and he's like, yes. I would be so excited if Brian Fernando like wrote in the comments to this uh, <laughs> to this podcast. That's totally what I do. Like, yes, <laughs> I, I want a video of Brian Fernando waking up to the sun. Yes, that would. Oh, I, honestly, I mean, I would. I would get up much easier in the morning if my alarm song was something like Connor Nyberg is awesome. That, that. I mean, what, what better way to get you up in the day than a song about you being awesome? That's amazing. That's yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Let's see. We're, we're skipping through a couple here. Um, tra- uh, track 49, The Amazing Journeys of 12 Kittens Through Match and Science. Track 50, Serving Size, which is an amazing little skit I actually kind of like. Track 51 is The Tale of Raskolnikov and Marty McFly. Once upon a time, Raskolnikov, the sullen and guilt-ridden protagonist of Dostoevsky's novel Crime and Punishment, decided that the burden of anxiety, self-loathing, and shame he carried over his murdering of a pawnbroker and her sister with an axe was too much to bear. He signed up for an inexpensive dance class to take his mind off of things for a while. On his very first day, he met a plucky young fellow named Marty McFly. Marty was a besneakered time traveler who was in the process of learning Russian dance. He had already mastered all of Michael Jackson's moves and felt it was time to expand his Terpsichorean repertoire by attending a dance class in fictionalized 19th century Russia. His access to a fictional time machine in the form of a flying DeLorean had facilitated his attendance at this course. What made you pick this one? Uh, it, it stands out. It really... <laughs> I, I remember this one just because it was so weird, like Raskolnikov and Marty McFly. And I love how like he has the, the, the storybook sound effects where he's like, you can hear him turning the page as if he's just reading out loud, once upon a time, Raskolnikov. Yeah, what I like about this one is it seems like somebody was... Um, the person who submitted the song was messing with him, was like, oh, I'm going to put these two things together that don't go together at all. Yeah, exactly. You know? He's like, ha, joke's on you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Logan's like, sure, I'm up for that. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I find it also interesting that at the very end, he leaves in, um, he actually puts in the blooper from when he was trying to pronounce Raskolnikov and he kind of messed up and he's like, blah. Ah. That's interesting. You never, yeah. never, you never hear the outtakes of Logan. So it's interesting to have that just stuck at the tail end there. It's normal to have the kind of like mess up noises after the song ended. Yeah, that's true. But not kind of like the blooper from before. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. But yeah, no, it, 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 it stood out to me. And honestly, I don't know how I can forget Raskolnikov and Marty McFly. I don't think I ever will. <laughs> All right, well, okay, so we got a lot to skip through here. So I'm going to try and go through this as quick as I can. So, Connor, we have like 30 songs to go. I know. It's insane. We're so close. <laughs> Yet so far. <laughs> I should mention that is like I think the Raskolnikov. It might be, if not the longest track, the second longest track on this album. It's like two minutes and eighteen seconds. That's not very tiny at all. That's 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 a moderately sized song right there. Although it it also barely fits the definition of song. That's true. All right. I I think I think I think that's a good point. 
Um, That's okay. He can color. He can color outside the lines. He can Out, outside, in between, inside, <laughs> everywhere. Um, track 52 is Love is a Cyborg playing the harpsichord. Um, that's an interesting one. Be, um, I'm going to briefly mention just because you and Logan did a brief like jam track in 2000 called Love is a Phone Bill I Can't Afford. And that's one of the lyrics of the song. So I don't know if, if the person that recommended it did it because it rhymed with that or at, at, if... I don't know. That's just kind of coincidental, I think. Ah, okay. Um, cool. Track 53, Daisy is dead. Track 54, Tap Cola. 55, Substrates plus Enzymes equals Love. 56, The Golden Goldfish. 57, The No Name Man with No Name. 58, When Good Kiwis Go Bad. 59, VCR Repairman. 60, The Forest Are Plotting the Revenge. 61, Dr. Awkward. 62, Villa Pondo. 63, Igor Siorski in the Helicopter. 64, Monty the tree 65 whims versus machos 66 a syrup bottle shaped like me 67 frogmaster man 68 a bad day at the gangster operated mom and pop shop 69 actually that kind of reminds me of the plot of um uh, what was the track from biggest octopus what was it uh family first family first that sounds, that sounds like family first kind of track right there um 69 gum 70 the tiniest dog in the world 71 internal banana farm 72 lost in love Lost, as in the Thus, TV show Lost. 73, The Ice Cream Man with bulgy eye. And that leads us up to 74. <gasps> Vanilla's Sexy Love Life. Vanilla the Plastic Snowman he has so much life to live Vanilla the plastic snowman He has so much love to give Not a lady on the planet can resist him Every woman falling under his spell Never lonely or rejected He's so suave Vanilla the plastic snowman Is sexy as hell How he's doing like a whole Barry White thing here with Vanilla the Plastic Snowman. It's working. That's Vanilla the funny the thing. <laughs> yeah, he went right where like you had to go with a title like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's <laughs> it, it's Vanilla the Plastic Snowman. I mean, what else can you what else can you do? It's it's Vanilla. Did you pick this one because you're very attracted to Vanilla? I'm not gonna answer that question. <laughs> 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 Honestly, I just I just think that's hilarious, and I I, I think it stood out also um, album art wise because that's one of the only like photographs, and it's just vanilla. It's just a picture of the vanilla, the plastic snowman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't go wrong with vanilla. Uh, track seventy five is super duper smile salesman. Say cheese. Key. <laughs> when you smile, does your face go sour? Do you find yourself constantly holding a sheet of lead in front of your face just to hide your horrible smile? 
Have you tried every single product on the market only to have them fail utterly? Now there's an easy way. The Super Duper Smile Sales Company has just what you need. I really like this one because I think this is the track on this album that reminds me most of uh, Farkle. Oh yeah, this is definitely a post Farkle Farkle. Heck yeah. I'm surprised no one suggested a Farkle song on this. That's, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think uh, Farkle, there's enough Farkle songs. <laughs> there's enough Farkle for Farkle to go around. Yeah. Um, it's weird though because it's, it's more less of a radio commercial like Farkle is and it's more like the audio equivalent of a really cheesy 80s or 90s uh, TV commercial for something, you know? He's, you got the synths and everything, and you can just kind of see the really cheesiness. You can almost see the cheese. And um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It kind of reminds me personally of the Title Max guy. You ever watch the Title Max commercials? No. They've got this salesman, right? And he's like, he's got the tannest tan and the whitest teeth, and he always shows his teeth when he's talking. And it terrifies the crap out of me, and I can just I can see him being the the uh, poster boy for Super Duper Smile Salesman. Yeah, it uh, it sounds like a commercial on some like uh, really cheap television station. <laughs> it does. All right, and that leads us in the track seventy six, the villain who wears no pants. The villain who wears no pants. No pants. No pants. He's evil and he wears no pants. No pants. No pants. Everybody get your pants on. Get your pants on. Get your pants on. Get your pants on. Everybody get your pants on. Get your pants on. Get your pants on. Get your pants on. That was pretty funny. I'm glad you picked that one. I think I've only even heard that song once because I can never make it this far in the album. Yeah, no, um, I, I think this is definitely one of the catchy ones on the album, especially the everybody get your pants on, get your pants on, get your pants on. I'll just be stuck <laughs> in my head. I'll be like, I gotta stop. I, I can't sing that out loud. I don't, I don't want anybody to hear me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, 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 that's, a, that's like the quintessential very tiny song here. It's only 40 seconds long, and it's catchy, and, and it's, it's a villain who wears no pants. And he sounds like he's doing like a cartoon villain voice. Uh, yeah, he, he does kind of, yeah. And then he got the, the weird deep voice also, which is kind of weird. <laughs> all right, I think that was all of our suggested ones. So let me just go down the last few tracks here. Track 77, the toaster who struggled up a hill only to find he was already on the other side. That's a very specific title. Track 78, Asian Afro. Track 79, James wrote a song about me. Track 80, Melissa June, The Beautiful Deer. And 81, The Ballad of William Archibald Spooner. And cool. that was very tiny songs. Oh, we a did heck it. of a lot of them. <laughs> and we only covered like the tip of the iceberg, which is insane. I wonder how much he was thinking about that you would make playlists, like put these songs in playlists rather than kind of listening to it as an album or, yeah. you know, listen to it on shuffle with a bunch of other songs. Yeah. Kind of um, like what you said, this is kind of like the Fingertips album. And Fingertips, I think, was like that. It's meant to be kind of heard. Those very tiny segments are meant to be heard on shuffle or whatever. But, you know, I, I can get that. So that was very tiny songs. Um, unfortunately, that was the last release by the Junior Science Club. Um, in August of 06, Logan had an earache, went back with to check the doctor, and the doctor said the cancer was back and he wouldn't make it to the end of the year and so Logan kind of cut his online ties 
um, gave the copy, the master copy, to um, Panaside Records, and December 26th, this album was released posthumously as Logan died um, the day of December 3rd, 2006. So this is the final addition to the Junior Science Club discography. So we have reached the tail end here, Elwin. Yes, it's a, it's a sad, uh, I'm feeling sad right at this moment, but I guess it is also, like we were saying, it has like a, certainly a um, element of like triumphing over that to have like actually sat there and made 81 songs. Like not many people could exactly. have the life, the life force to do that. Yeah. Even people who are perfectly healthy wouldn't, wouldn't be able to spend like three months working on 81 different, very tiny songs, but Logan, Logan did it. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think, I think the saddest part with this for me, at least is that this album does sound like it's, it's a transition album and and it's because it's Logan trying to get back into the groove of making music. And it's like he, he already sees the bigger and better things on the horizon. But those bigger and better things never come. I think that's that's the saddest part for me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a bummer. I mean, you know, like, as good as he got that whole buildup, as good as he got to um, Goodbye My 4-Track, like, if he would have lived to be, you know, even to 40. Yeah. I mean, he would have had like more than ten more years to just keep getting better. Exactly. And you know, yeah. he would like he had the talent. He would have. Yeah. No. Definitely. And and I think that's that's the that's that's the sad part. I mean, where where he could have been, where he would have been. But I I think it's also important to say. I mean, what he did do, what he did finish, was amazing. What what he has all left for us is some pretty funny songs, and I think I think that's awesome. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Got, it got us to sit there and spend like, uh, I don't know, six hours talking about it. So. <laughs> yep. God dang you, Logan! <laughs> um, so I guess we can we can try to jump to present time here. So I discovered Logan when I was about 12 or 13, and it's been a dream of mine to make a documentary on this guy. And so for years, I did like on again, off again kind of research on him, listening to his songs, getting it all together. And I believe it was 2017 that I contacted Owen and Christine to do a short interview for a Little Tin Frog documentary, which was released uh, in May of next year, 2018. Oh, I thought you meant of next year from now. Is it oh, yeah, released yeah. in the future? <laughs> the Littleton Frog <laughs> documentary won't be released. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, weirdly. But yeah, no. Um, and so that's how me and Owen and Christine met. And um, that was that was an interesting one because I think that was the first time you and Christine had talked since the breakup of Littleton Frog. And I should mention I was I was born around that time, so that tells you how young I am. Yeah, so I was just astonished that like how much you actually knew about the songs, you know, like paid attention and knew all the like I think you would probably know more about Little Tin Frog songs than I would, maybe. Oh. <laughs> and uh, uh, certain ones, like I remember there was even something where I was asking you about. You were like, "Oh no, that was on this other version." Oh, that is kind of funny. But yeah, no, I, I find it funny that my favorite Littleton Frog song was the one that you guys never recorded, Life Forms. I still think that's, oh. I, I like that one. Though, though you did do a version with um, Logan doing drums. That one was very good as well. 
True. Yeah, that's a bummer we didn't get that one recorded with the little Tim Fox. Yeah. But then, yeah, I was struck that you knew the Logan stuff really well. Yeah, and I think it was then I asked, like, if I get to a point, because I, I was like, I was 17 and I'm, I'm 19, and so I wasn't sure how much time before I wanted to start working on this thing. So I was like, you know, if, if I ever get to it, if there comes a point where I feel I'm ready enough for it, will you guys be up for it? And you guys were very happy. And so, I mean, that made me feel more confident in that kind of choice and project. Um, it wasn't until, it was always on the back burner, but I don't think it was until October of last year that I, I seriously started considering it because that was when Needle Juice Records, the guys behind that, uh, Jason Austin, did a Kickstarter to repress Goodbye My 4-track, and it did fairly successfully. So that, that showed me that people were still interested in Logan and his music and wanted to know more. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, I have a Facebook page up for it. Actually, it's uh, Your Friend Logan. I don't have too much up on the page right now because I've been busy with school and whatnot. I, I took summer semester. But um, I'm hoping to get right back on it, and this month I'm focusing on doing like pre-interviews with, I believe I have about three dozen people confirmed to be a part of this documentary, which is exciting to no end. I love it. So it would be cool if, I'm just going to go right for the promotion, it would be cool if people would like the your Facebook page, Yeah. because it's hard to reach people about Logan stuff, like even to let people know about this it uh, is. podcast. Yeah, there's, no, there's no centralized Logan area of the internet. It used to be, the live journal used to be fairly active, but again, that was, what, 10 years ago. So um, it'd be really cool if this page could be kind of like a new place for Logan fans to hang out and stuff. Yeah, and just make it easy to tell people about um, when something new becomes available would be really cool. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to keep people updated on production and whatnot. And um, while we're at it, also check out the Littleton Frog Facebook page. You and Christine update that fairly every couple months or so and um, there's always a bunch of cool stuff on there um, that's where that's where I, I think I first contacted you and uh, stuff so yeah check out that as well cool so um, should we do our top 10 Logan songs or do you have something else you want to do yeah sure alright so we made our lists of top 10 Logan songs Owen has been working on his for years I did mine in about 10 minutes before the episode <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this should be interesting. So Owen, Owen, you go first since you're the most prepared here. Okay. I'm still gonna want to change mine tomorrow. Yeah. No, I, pro- I probably will as well. But no, these are definitive. Uh, they can't be changed at all. This is what you say right now holds true forever. You can't ever change this. So I feel like my list is about half songs that everybody who's a Logan fan would pick. Yeah. And the other half are ones that nobody else would pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear them. Let's hear them. Okay. So my number 10 is Mr. T that we just talked about. Nice, and for nice. the reasons that we, the aforementioned reasons. Uh, number nine is the song Three, The Three-Legged Horse. Oh, that's right. Off, uh, I would be a biggest octopus. I really like that one because of the... It's like the first time I heard somebody do something so cool with like the prefab music yeah. that comes on a keyboard. And I really like the lyrics. Number eight, Down to the Sea in Ships. Nice, nice. Number seven is A Matter of Twine. Classic. Number six, The Robot Cat. Number five, a song nobody else would pick, but I love it, is uh, 
Not my atom bomb? <laughs> <laughs> no one else would pick it, I know. Uh, <laughs> that's all right, though. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Number four is um, Killed by Telephones. Number three, I Love the Ocean. And then the t- two and one are the huge classics. Number two, Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle. And number one, Prosthetic Brain. Nice. I like in this list here. That's a nice list, Owen. I like it. Thank you. Let's hear yours, Connor. All right, I got to top yours now. All right, all right. Um, I feel like you have very interesting favorite songs. Like yeah, the it's, it's interesting because when I, when I start listing um, the, the songs, I find that I like... I, I Don't get me wrong. I love when Logan's being funny and stuff. I love it. But I, I think my favorite ones are his more serious songs, which is interesting. I don't know why I like that. Maybe because his songs, when they're serious, they're not overly serious. There's always a tinge of something Logan-y in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, let me just read out what I got here. Okay. Top 10. Number 10. I Love the Ocean. Oh. On both lists. Woo. Number 9. Oh My God, I'm on Fire. (laughs) Number 8. Monkeys Are Bad People. Either version. They're, They're both equally as good. Number seven, and I know this is one you wouldn't pick, Owen. I want to rock. Oh, I think, I like that one though. Oh, you do. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I don't know why I, I find that one extremely catchy. Uh, number six, Lizard and Fish. Number five, Watertown. Really? Wow. Yeah, I really like that one. I think that one's, but he pulled that off really well. Number four, A Matter of Twine. Hmm. Number three prosthetic brain number two your brain fell out and no guess for number one saturday 243 cool that was fun yeah all right and those that's our top tens uh leave some comments below as to why our top tens are horrible please be sure to (laughs) write your essay in paragraph form (laughs) (laughs) we're also willing to accept your top 10 Yes, yeah, that, actually, yeah, we, we'd love to hear what you guys think of, of your top 10 Logan in the Junior Science Club songs. This sucks, man. We're on the last episode, and we're just now figuring out how to do social media. We I ask know. people <laughs> questions, and then they... <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> let's start over. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's figure out social media, then we can start all over the show again. We can, we can figure it yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> start without swearing the popos again. Um, but yeah, no, so... Um, you people at home might notice that we haven't talked about the Dentures Doorknob mini album or the mini album of love. And I think that's just something that, I mean, we'll get around to when, when we're most up to it. That's not something we were more focused on getting the, the big projects, the big albums out of the way. And now that we've done that, um, we can focus more on being social and doing other things and whatnot. And, and I heard um, you're making a documentary. Yeah. Then the documentary <laughs> working on that. And um, so when we, get to a point where we're more to say that actually you would be really cool owen is when we actually like do meet and we do the interview we could do the episode in like the same room i think that'd be a good idea oh do it in person yeah okay because we've been doing this over um over hangouts because you're in switzerland and i'm in america but when you come back i think you're coming back to california so we'll do the interview there and um and we'll do that that podcast episode there too cool that sounds fun this has been it's been really fun. Yeah. Um, 
thank you so much for doing this, I should say, because this is really, this has been really interesting, because I mean, I've listened to all of these tracks before, but it's interesting getting your perspective on it. And I mean, it's helped me shed a new light on stuff like Three-Legged Horse and Not My Atom Bomb, tracks I otherwise would have just looked over. Cool. Yeah, I know. It's been fun for me, too, because you have a different perspective, like having, um, knowing more about uh, how this has been, like, affected the different people on the internet and uh, this kind of thing that I didn't really know about. Yeah, well, this has been very interesting, and I'm glad it, I'm glad it did um, shed unique perspectives on his music. I think I think that's really cool. All right, well, you've been listening to Talk in the Microphone. Um, we'll be back eventually. Um, again, check out our Facebook pages, um, Lil Tin Frog and Your Friend Logan, the upcoming documentary on Logan Whitehurst. And um, until then, eat your vegetables, kids. Rock on. <laughs>